Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. And this is episode number 20, Big 20, of OCR Talk. Big 2-0. Thank you for listening in. We are super excited, so excited about episode 20 that we didn't do anything special to celebrate. <laughs> we ran. We both ran today before recording the episode. Go us. We did. We, we exercised. <laughs> Speaking of exercising, I felt, I'd say, kind of rough today. And so I went out for a run and was like, all right, I'll just run two miles down this road and then, you know, turn around and come back. And so at least that. And I got down there and I said, if I feel if I feel ready to go back by two, I'll go back. And I got down there and I said, all right, if you're going to let yourself go back, then <laughs> you need to put some work in. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to run. I'm going to attempt to do two miles in 16 minutes, which... <laughs> How'd that go? Which is an eight minute pace, which is, you know, yeah. pretty decently fast for me. And for, you know, 16 minutes is a good long time to run. And I went for it and I was like, all right, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up. And, and I kept a good pace up and actually finished in 1505. And I was uh, nice. quite surprised, but I still hate running fast. I just don't, yeah. like, <laughs> don't like how hard it is. Yeah. I was thinking about that because I've I've signed up for a couple of local 5Ks that I always sign up for here in the area. And it's like, man, I know and I'm going to go and take off as fast as I can because it's a 5K <laughs> and it's only three miles. Yeah. And I'm going to feel like I'm sprinting the whole time. And I'm like, I just want to grind it out for like eight hours. <laughs> can I just do that? Yeah. That's why I like endurance events more. It really is. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of how your running's going. Uh, we both had a couple of races this weekend. So before we get into what this episode is all about, which is all news from all over the place in the OCR community right now, let's just talk about what we did this past weekend and how, how did your race go? You did a 50K. Yeah. So in preparation for World's Toughest Mudder, I've 
you know, at World's Toughest, I want to do 50 miles. So I figured just follow a 50 miler training plan. So it just so happened I needed 31 miles this past weekend. <laughs> so nice. I signed up for I signed up for Walker Higgins Children of the Cane 50K. And they had a 10 miler, 20 miler, 50K, 100K and 100 miler option. I was one of the 50Kers and it was hot. <laughs> it was so hot. What time of the day was the event and when did y'all start? So it was Saturday morning. The 100 milers took off at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning. And the rest of us, the 50K, 10 and 20 milers all took off at 8 a.m. And the 100K and 100 milers took off at 6 a.m. Because of the rain, all the rains and everything the past couple of weeks, he had to kind of redesign the course. The course was all flat. And going into it, I completely underestimated it because with it being flat, I was like, oh, you know, flat trails, it shouldn't be too bad. Well, it's also cane field, so there's absolutely no shade. <laughs> but he, he did have plenty of water stops. So True Blue Water provided a whole bunch of water for the event so that we had cool. we pretty much had water about like every three or four miles. So that wasn't that wasn't bad at all. They had two sections. So the first section was a 10-mile out and back. So it was five miles out and back. The next section was another out and back. You know, in total, it was like 20, 21 miles. Yet another reason why going into the race, I was like, oh, it won't be too bad. I'll probably be done in like, you know, five, six hours or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I didn't take into account the heat. And I did bring plenty of hydration with me, luckily. Um, and I think I went into it not as hydrated as I should have been. I went, I mean, I wasn't dehydrated going into it, but I probably should have hydrated a little bit more. And so, yeah, there was, there was things that I definitely learned that I could do going into world's toughest as far as my nutrition and hydration goes. And, um, the aid station, one, one of the things I love about Walker's races is he always takes care of his runners. Like he always takes care of his racers. Like there was an aid station about mile 16 you know, they had everything you could you could need. Like they had a big tub of tailwind or water or, <laughs> you know, potatoes and sea salt that you could dip in or, you know, M&Ms, like all the goodies that they were just providing for all the runners. I, I feel like that's more typical for road races and trail races as well. Whereas in obstacle races, I guess they're spending so much money on obstacles, they don't <laughs> right. have money left over for M&Ms. <laughs> right. <laughs> for M&Ms or boiled potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> none of that. There will be none of that provided by Tough Mudder. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was kind of cool to like test out what foods I did okay with and what I didn't really like. And overall, it took me um, about seven and a half hours. <laughs> so <laughs> way over what I was expecting. And it was funny because it was my first official ultra. Like I've done ultra distances before for OCR. Right. and But it's like my first official just straight trail racing ultra. I'm on a couple of Louisiana ultra runners pages on Facebook and everything. And I've caught up with some of them during the race because they were wearing their hats and everything. And they were like... Yeah, you probably should have asked for advice as far as what the first <laughs> ultra should have been, <laughs> what, what your first ultra should have been, because I probably wouldn't have picked this one for you. But I know that, you know, if I could do walk one of Walker's races and finish in a decent amount of time, like that's that's a pretty good tell as far as, you know, how I'm going to feel going into World's Toughest Motor. Because he, he, I mean, he's got some pretty tough courses and 
he always puts together really tough, tough races and definitely challenges even like the best runners out there. So I figured why not? (laughs) So it was really good. And I met like a whole bunch of really cool people. And yeah, just the positivity of the volunteers and just, you know, translated into the runners. And it was just a really great experience. I have nothing bad to say about it. Nothing negative other than the heat got to me and I started seeing things. (laughs) So it's probably Mm. a a good thing that I only did the 50K because I think, (laughs) I think the last three miles, I wasn't even sweating at all. So I'm like, oh, that's not good. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) But it did rain a little bit. So there was a little bit of respite from the heat. Well, you said there was a a 10 mile out and back and a 20 mile out and back. So which Mm -hmm. parts did you do to make up the 30, the the 50K? So we did both. We started with the 10 mile out and back and then. Oh, it was. Yeah. Five miles out and five miles back. Right. And then, yeah. And then the 20 mile route was like 10 miles out, 10 miles back. So the 50K runners had to do both sections. And then, you know, obviously the 10, 10 and 20 milers only had to do the one section and then the 100k people had to do both sections twice (laughs) and then the 100 milers had to do both sections like three or four times and then there was like a special little seven mile route that's only part (laughs) of the 100 mile route and they end up going into the smokestack and like signing this book that's inside this smokestack it's pretty cool i I don't know (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool like the 50k route we there was some signage that took us to the smokestack. So I'm like, I just want to go see what it's all about. Like, I just want to go see it. And it's pretty cool. Like he has the flags leading into the smokestack and he has two books in there that you can sign if you're participating and just to like write something about your journey. It's pretty cool. Cool. One day, right? Yeah. One day, (laughs) maybe not within the next couple of years, but one day (laughs) got to have goals. (laughs) Yeah, I ran the rugged and raw trail race out in Cedar Ridge in uh, south of Dallas, and I actually got interviewed by Mike Stefano on the Obstacle Running Adventures podcast, and he talked to me about it. And we actually ended up talking more about WTM than we did about about (laughs) rugged and raw. (laughs) It it was a good good race, though. This is the second time I've done it. it. It's the hardest. Probably the hardest trail in the DFW area. It, over the course of 20K, you're doing basically the entire trail twice and a little with a little extra. And it's about 2,000 feet of elevation. Wow. You can't find that in Dallas anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately for me, I ended up kind of having those same old nagging issues coming back. And I guess I just got dehydrated and, and really, really struggled th- through the end of it. Yeah. The last time I ran it was in 2016. And it I, that was probably my best, like the best I've ever felt running ever. And I finished in two hours and like three minutes. And this time I finished in about 250. So it was definitely oh. a lot rougher. So I've got some things to look into uh, before you know, these coming up next couple of events, but, uh, I'm still hopeful, hopeful that, you know, I, I know that if I do keep on top of my hydration and my nutrition, then hopefully I'll be all right. So we'll see. That's the tricky thing about it is because the, you know, the, the race that we're training for, you know, it's going to be like five mile loops. So, you know, like every five miles, you're going to have somewhere to stop. And 
and you'll have that pit area. But like with those, with these ultra races, it's so tricky because like, <laughs> like I didn't know what to bring with me, <laughs> like 10 miles, <laughs> like five miles out and back. Like, I, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of water stops along the way and everything. And, you know, at the, at the finish line, they were, you know, making all kinds of things for the runners and everything like that. But like, as far as what to bring out on the course with me, like I hate running with my hydration pack. I hate it because <laughs> I, the, the least stuff that I can run with the better because like, I felt like I was, <laughs> I felt like I was carrying a rucksack <laughs> with my hydration pack <laughs> because I didn't want to bring too much, but I didn't want to bring not enough because I'd rather be, I'd rather take too much and you know, yeah. so I had, you know, my hydration bladder and then I also had like a couple of flasks up front on my hydration vest and mm. like I went through all of it. <laughs> so thank God I brought it. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, so that's like the, the tricky thing about it is that we're training for like five mile loops. But the good right. thing is, is that we're training to see like how far we can push our nutrition and hydration to prepare for things like that. Yeah, and as far as taking all that stuff with you, you can ask probably you can probably ask Trevor Psychos and he will tell you I bet that you know it's okay to have to carry that much stuff because yeah. when you're on that long of a trek like he did uh, oh, yeah, from the, 200... the across across Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're running with no, you know, they have aid stations along the way, but yeah, they you doing those really long distance races. Right. The the pit stations are basically further and further apart the longer you go i think well yeah and see my problem with the aid stations was that i know from my experience that if i stop for too long if i'm at that aid station for too long and i sit down and i get relaxed and everything my legs are gonna get cold and i'm just not gonna want to get back up and get started again so like i know as long as i keep as long as i keep moving it'll be okay <laughs> and the first part of the race i ran with this guy caught up to me. He's from Colorado Springs, but he moved to um, Bay St. Louis. His name is John, and he's he's like a, I guess he's an ambassador with Drip Drops, with Drip Drops Hydration. And, like, all he had was two bottles with him. And I'm he's sitting here with, like, my hydration pack and my bottles, and I'm like, I'm such a rookie. <laughs> yeah, and some people, they're just, you know, their bodies are prepared for it, and they've been yeah. doing it for a long time, and so... Well, as far as World's Toughest Mudder goes, you're right. Staying, continuing moving is the most important thing and staying in a pit as short as possible. But after 30 miles and it's past midnight and your legs, you know, that's obviously going to be easier said than done. So that's where your pit crew, I think, is going to be the best thing you have to be able to say, all right, get back out there. And yeah. you know, Mark will be able to do that well for you, I think, push you away <laughs> and maybe curse at you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'll need. <laughs> like, suck it up and get out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably not going to be his choice of words, but, you know, <laughs> that would be the general gist. <laughs> well, we have picked, I think, the best day to record this week as there has been Plenty of news kind of rolling over the past couple weeks, but just yesterday and today, more news in the OCR world has come out. So we've got news from Terrain, Conquer the Gauntlet, Tough Mudder, and Spartan Race that we're going to cover, and quite a bit of things from each one. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. There's a lot of cool stuff that's uh, in the works and happening right now. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of cool stuff happening right now in the OCR world. 
So first off, the I wanted to talk about terrain. Terrain race has been on a lot of people's lips lately, and it it it's interesting that they put on so many races, and you know we've talked about this before. So many races that are so cheap. Even we've asked, you know, how long can they last? Right. Whereas they're they're, I think they've been getting bad press and bad reviews on different races. They've recently had Dustin DeRoe, who used to do the start lines for Spartan at a lot of races. Very well known for his voice and ripping off his pants and having little <laughs> American flag shorts on underneath. Really good guy. He has started working with Terrain and did an interview on the Overcome and Run podcast with Heather, Heather Bodie, And he talked all about how 2019 is supposed to be a big change for them. So they, they're going to be taking better care of their obstacles, putting more focus into making sure things get paid out and pictures are on time and really just a overall overhaul of their back in to make the races better. Because that's one of the biggest complaints people have been having is you're not seeing your pictures ever for some events and people aren't getting paid out and obstacles are falling apart and <laughs> different things yeah. like that. So, <laughs> did you get a chance to listen to that interview? I did. Yeah. And it, it kind of changed my mind on my outlook for terrain race because going into it before I had listened to that episode, I'm like, surely they can't last much longer. Like they're, they're one of the ones like, huh, there goes another OCR, like circling the drain, you know? It kind of gave me hope for another another race series to still be in existence. I think and I hope that he's getting a lot of the in infrastructure problems ironed out because it sounds like Terrain Race has the funding to make it happen. I think I just kind of got the feeling that maybe they do have a financial backer that's willing to put in the investment into the company. Right. They are one of these companies that are run by a bigger company. Right. And, you know, they're financially blessed enough to to be able to put on more races and continue improving and make these improvements for the racers so that it becomes a more lucrative race series for them. And I think that's what they want to do. I just hope it pays off <laughs> for next year. I, I haven't... Whenever I I saw the free registrations that they were promoting, I almost had a feeling that oh man, this is a last ditch effort to get registrations. But then whenever <laughs> I heard whenever I heard him say this is more of like an apology to our racers, like we're sorry right. 2018 was so rough, but please still have faith in us and come to our events next year and we promise we'll have better events next year. But I I think it's worth you know, watching next year, I'll, I'll probably do one again next year. Yeah, and they're they're hoping that with enough free registrations, they'll get enough people in to see the changes and obviously report back to everybody else and say, hey, yeah, they they did make these changes and things are looking better. So you know, yeah. keep registering and keep keep going to their races. Yeah, and a lot of OCR racers that have been in this for a couple of years know Dustin and know that you know he's all about the racers. He was at one of the first Spartan races that I ever did, and like. I still have his um his start line speech that I that he used to give at every Spartan race that got me pumped up more than anything. Like it was it was probably one of the best start line start line speeches I've ever experienced at one of my first races. So 
you know, I think he's got the support of a lot of OCR racers that have been in this for a couple years and they're probably willing to give him a, you know, give it a chance because of him. Yeah, I'm hopeful as well and have already registered for the Dallas race in April. But I, I you know, Matt B. Davis, not quite so as hopeful. I know he's <laughs> expressed concerns saying that he, he's he's still not a believer yet. He's reserving his right to uh, wait and Be see. cynical. That's okay. <laughs> We're going to stay positive. <laughs> hey, isn't there one in, in New Orleans like in December? In November, actually. November. Yeah, it's like the week after. Are you doing that one? Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll still be a 2018 event, so you can't expect anything yet. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I think that's what I have to remember going into it. Like this, it's still, it's still not going to be. You know, the improvements are still aren't going to be put in place. So you know, I got to give it a chance. But yeah, I'm I'm running it in November. It's like the week after World's Toughest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Kenny. Do you know Kenny? Kenny is a friend of. Ours back from kickball days that ran with me and Mark in our first year of Spartan racing, and he completed a trifecta with us. But he was on the Warrior Dash obstacle when it fell. Oh, so you probably don't know him, but uh, I wonder if he'll be at that terrain race and if see if he can make it a record setting two obstacles. <laughs> well, to I was about to say, if I, if I see him on any <laughs> obstacle and it starts wobbling even a little bit, I'm going around it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I know we're we we still have tough muttered news to get to, but we just talked about races in New Orleans, and I've seen that they took off the New Orleans date oh, for 2019. Yes, I don't know what the deal with that is. I didn't I didn't know if that was because they came out with the Tough Mudder Classic, which we're probably going to talk about, but I think that has something to do with it because they can't came out with the old format. Do we know if they're not going to have an event in in New Orleans in 2019 or not? I'm not sure. We don't know yet. Yeah, that's crazy. Unfortunate if it if it's the case because that was pretty awesome having a big brand in Louisiana. I mean, that's the you know two years in a row it was good. Yeah, the first Tough Mudder I went to in New Orleans, they had a good 10 mile course, so I don't see why they couldn't do it again, unless you know the contract with the venue. Well, they definitely have the space out there. That's for sure. It was kind of a poor showing last year with the new format. It was also the, yeah, it was the new, the very first race of the year. Yeah. And that was everybody's first opportunity to start talking about how they didn't care for what they were doing in 2018. So yeah, it it didn't get good, a good response. Yeah. Unfortunately. I kind of hope it comes back to New Orleans just so we can have more stuff down here. That's news for another time, I guess. Yeah. Next up, Conquer the Gauntlet just released the Continuum details. Not necessarily like the rule book, but more details than what we've had before. Yeah. So we've talked before about how the Continuum is Conquer the Gauntlet's first go at a multi-lap race. Yeah, so we knew it was coming. We just didn't know the details. Yeah, so pretty exciting. And the details that they kicked out talked about the the timing and the lappage and the penalties and how all that's going to work. First off, it's going to, you're going to start, they are, they're saying you're going to start with the elite wave and you can actually run elite and continuum too. So if you run a continuum, you'll just, I guess, cross the finish line and go back onto the, uh, the pit and just keep on going. Yeah. But starting with the elites, the race will go until five hours after the elite wave lets off. So if the elite wave lets off at nine, so you can 
start your last lap after after two. But they haven't mentioned if there's a cutoff time at the end of that. I take it it's going to be the normal cutoff time for them, which has always been when they start pulling up the flags on the course. Yeah, I would imagine it would it would have to have a cutoff time as far as like when you could start your last lap. Yeah, well, when you can start your last lap is that five-hour cutoff. So Mm -hmm. five hours after the elites take off is when you can start your last lap. But how long can you be on the course after that? Right. They didn't say for sure, but I take it it's when they start pulling up the course. Yeah. The pit zone or pit area that they're going to have after you complete each lap and go in is going to be called Lion's Den, which I thought was cute, I guess. (laughs) Clever. (laughs) Yeah, and then to continue on with their lion theme you can have pit crew members and they're going to be called the pride don't they already have a pride they have a page called the pride the but pride. this is going to be your your own pride <laughs> okay. like your own your own little pack your own little lions pack you can specify three people up to three people that are part of your pride to be your pit crew it did say interestingly that these people can be regular participants so they can be running the course now they're not supposed to be giving you aid or anything on the course, just in the pit, as you know, normal rules for a race like that. How would they police something like that, though? I just don't think, if they're running the course with you, I just don't think that they'd be able to enforce something like that. Well, maybe they won't, but... <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I guess, and you know, like a lot of stuff in OCR, I mean, I, I mean, I guess you could run it off the honor system, you know? But sure, that's, you know, according to the rules, that's what it says. So if you're running by and you see David or Philip or somebody out there and they see you getting aid from somebody else, then they might say, hey, you're you're disqualified or whatever. Yeah. I thought it, it just so different that I've never seen where a pit crew can actually be a race participant. Now, not that they're doing the continuum with you. They're, you know, maybe they're just out there running as well. And maybe they're running elite. And once y'all yeah. are both done, they help you in the pit. And then every time you come around, they help you in the pit again. That could be super helpful, too, especially whenever you might need a pacer for the later laps. Well, they did specify for the pride for your pit crew, Mm -hmm. their pit crew, they're being so maybe they race, they paid to race elite. So they run that first lap and they've got their little wristband or whatever it is they're going to have to be part of your pride. Mm -hmm. That does not allow them to get back on the course to run more laps. Right. This is something that's new for Conquer Gauntlet because in the past we've always just been able to go hop back in the hop back in the next wave and then can, and and keep on running if you want. Mm-hmm. But that's changing. So now if you want to run multiple laps, you it's another twenty dollars per lap. Okay. Interesting and a little sad only because we're so used to being able to run multiple laps for free. But understandable from a business perspective. Right. And I I mean, I think they're going to have plenty of people interested in doing this endurance series that they're they're starting. I mean, it would make sense that they would have to start doing something like that, because how else are you going to know who's doing what? But even just regular people that run one lap and and then decide they want to run a second, supposedly aren't going to be allowed to just go hop back in the next wave. They need to go pay another 20 bucks and then they can go again. Right. So I'm sure like some kind of wristband or something like that will be in place for those that are running the continuum yeah the continuum will probably have a, a marker or something something that specifies that you're doing that and we all know that they're that they have some of the harder obstacles out in ocr 
So what they're doing for Continuum, you know, we know Evan Preparis knows very well how many laps you can do before you just can't do any more of those obstacles. <laughs> and so it's not mandatory completion for only four of the obstacles. So the harder ones, being which include Pegatron, Cliffhanger, which is the monkey bars over water, Tarzan Swing, which is their rig, and Stairway to Heaven, the A-frame with the steps. So for those four, if you fail and want to continue, you can still try as many times as you like, but if you want to continue, you have to do a penalty performance, which I thought was a very interesting phrasing. You know, we used to just <laughs> seeing, yeah, penalty laps or penalty burpees or whatever. So this penalty performance includes 15 Atlas burpees and 15 medicine ball thrusters. Hmm. Do you, what is, do you know what an Atlas burpee is? I mean, I know we do burpees with the brute force bags that, I mean, you're just basically doing a burpee, but then you have to like lift up the bag up over your head. Yeah, that's what I'm curious. Is it going to be a burpee with a, a ball? With an atlas or some kind of atlas ball or something? Yeah, if you're doing that, when you do the medicine ball thruster after that, what is that? Like a, a squat with the yeah, medicine ball? Yeah, like a squat with a medicine ball and like do the thruster with the med medicine ball. So you're just holding holding it and squatting and thrusting your hips, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, you have you're holding the medicine ball and you squat and then whenever you come up from the squat, you press the medicine ball up above your head. Gotcha. All around, so many parts of this are things that we typically see in multi-lap races, mm -hmm. but slightly different. Mm -hmm. You know, we've not seen I, uh, first off, the, the five-hour cutoff is different in itself. Five hours is not a lot of time either. Yeah, normally a multi-lap race is at least eight hours. Right. Or or even six at the least. But yeah, five hours, like, that that's going to be interesting because, you know, a shorter race, even with it being multi-lap, is going to see people pushing even harder. Yeah, because it's only five hours. It, I, I think it'll make for an interesting race. Plus... Their obstacles are tough, so, you know, it's going to be yeah. taking it out of you already. Yeah, and I'm sure for those that are more proficient at the obstacles, it would more so benefit them to just do the obstacles versus doing the penalty, depending on how many laps they've already done. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, you know, given each of those obstacles, even Pegatron one try as long as there's no backup and then doing the penalty performance. <laughs> the penalty performance. I feel like... I feel like I'm a bow after each time I do those. <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I've done my done Atlas my Burpees penalty. and Medicine Ball Thrusters. <laughs> They're going to have prizes for only the first place, male and female. So $100 for them and a plaque that says that you're awesome, I guess. <laughs> Tough luck to those that are second and third. Maybe they'll at least let you stand on the podium. Yeah. Stand next to them. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how battle races used to do it. I mean, we used to just do the first male and female. Um, yeah, and that made me sad because I got second <laughs> one time that year, and I got nothing for it. <laughs> you got a pat on the back in the middle. <laughs> mm, I don't think I got a pat on the back. No. <laughs> yeah, I think they changed that whenever we did the battle race championships in Baton Rouge last year. They did. Yeah. And they did have first, second, and third there, mm -hmm. and first, second, and third this year. Mm -hmm. Tough Mudder Dallas happened two weeks, two weekends ago. Yeah, another rainy, rainy, muddy race. 
It was the muddiest race I have ever seen. And from the words of Tough Mudder employees, they were saying it's it was the muddiest course they've ever had. The muddiest course Tough Mudder has ever had. Wow. I can believe that. Seeing it, being there, I could truly believe it too. Because <laughs> even when we ran elite or tougher and ran, you know, first ones on the course, it was still already a super muddy mess. Ugh. But then later in the day, I went back out with my wife and her brother and it was just insane how sloppy it was. I saw the pictures from that. Like everybody was just covered in mud from their chin to their toes. I just, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to handle that. I don't like it. Well, usually when you a race is muddy, there's muddy sections. Yeah. But this was the entire festival area, the entire course, everything. There was not a spot that was not just sink to your ankles muddy. Didn't they pull racers off the course and close it down and shut it down? I think it was about one o'clock that the rain had gotten. It just the rain had continued and they, they shut the course down because there really was getting to a point where they're their vehicles would not be able to get to people on the course if they needed medical aid. That's crazy. It was unfortunate, but they did send out emails after saying, if you were affected by the course shutdown, send us a mess, you know, send a click this link or whatever, and, and we'll give you a, a ticket for another event, which was, which was awesome. Well, that's good. They're still taking care of their racers. Yeah. And I think as seasoned veterans, we're kind of used to that stuff happening. But for people like my my brother-in-law, he this is only like his first, this is really his first OCR other than like an inflatable obstacle course race or whatever. Mm-hmm. So for him, you know, he was super excited, been training all year and got out there. And then we were literally a mile and a half into the, into the well, we were doing the half, but still a mile and a half into the five mile course. <laughs> so it, it was really a disappointment. And of course, you know, the first thing you say is I want a refund or whatever, yeah. or at least a, a something. So, so I'm, I, I am really glad that Tough Mudder did that because it would be a shame because they would have a lot of people hate them if they didn't offer transfers <laughs> right. to other events. Yeah. And especially since so many waves got to go out and they didn't shut it down until around one o'clock in the afternoon. Like you would think that they'd be like, oh, well, so sad. <laughs> You know, we had so many waves that were able to go off, but, you know, it's a good thing that they were able to take care of all the runners that didn't get to do the whole course and had to get pulled off. Absolutely. And Tough Mudder really does seem like they're trying to, you know, Tough Mudder has always been, it seems like a good company that really cares about the people because Tough Mudder's got that constantly coming back crowd. You know, it's always a lot of the same people and stuff. Right. So for them to do that is very Tough Mudder like, but they definitely didn't have to. So I'm glad to see that that TMHQ has still got a good head on their shoulders. Right. So along with that, Tough Mudder has announced how, yeah, they get it that 2018 wasn't so hot. So they are changing things up a little bit for 2019. Promising that their festival area and the race itself, obstacle-wise, is going to be bigger and better than 2018 was. Kind of going back to their roots. I think getting rid of the 5K in half. Am I correct in that? Yes, because they're going back to the old format. Yeah. They're only going to have Tough Mudder Classic, which mm-hmm. is going to be not 10 to 12 miles, but 8 to 10 miles. So, a, you know, a full course, but no other options 
I'm sure they'll still have the toughest and, and hopefully TMX, but yeah. no like event day, no other options other than probably tougher, I would bet. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting in itself. And hopefully we'll see some more big obstacles return. Some older obstacles. They they kind of teased at that too. They like bringing back maybe some older obstacles, maybe bring, bringing in some new ones, which I think the eight to 10 miles is like a really good distance. That's like pretty good for a for an OCR. Yeah, but when it's nothing but walls yeah. and crawls, <laughs> no. then it's not really all that fun. But when you've got things like King of the Swinger, King of Swingers, and Augustus Gloop, that was one of my favorite ones. Yeah, even though it's not crazy hard, it's just this big cool thing that you do. Yeah, it's just fun. Looking forward to that. Well, another awesome release just today is the world's toughest mutter rules came out for t- for this year. So we've got all the info on what's the prizing, who can get the prizing, what's the bonus prizing, all that good stuff. So first off, the the prizing is going to be 10K for the first place male and female. And, you know, it trickles down from there. I forget exactly what it was. But the more interesting part to me is the bonus prizing. So the bonus prizing in the past, they did 50000 I think it was, when Ryan and uh, John Albin broke 100 miles as a team. Mm-hmm. I think they maybe did 50,000 whenever Ryan broke 100 as a single person. Mm-hmm. But this time it's going to be only 10,000, but still 10,000 for breaking the historical mileage record. So for guys that's 115 miles, but for ladies that's only 95 miles. Yeah, cuz nobody since Amelia Boone got 90, yeah, 90 miles back. Right, Rhea Coble got 90 miles uh, this past year as well. But in the past, it's always been, you know, the women can still uh, get that mileage, that bonus record as well, but it had to be 100 miles. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time that they've brought that goal down for the ladies. Very definitely achievable, putting it just slightly closer to arm's reach. Yeah. So that's really, really awesome. And, And I'm sure we can definitely expect to see uh, a few ladies going after that. Oh, yeah, for sure. But there's definitely been a lot of speculation about if the bonus prizing was even going to be coming back with all the issues that Tough Mudder has had throughout the year. <laughs> so it's good to hear that, like, at least the people who are competing for money will have something to compete for. <laughs> yeah. Now, these, this is one of those things where you do have to be an elite contender. So you yes. do have to have qualified by running competing in the toughest and getting top five right. at one of the toughest events. I do believe if you are a past podium finisher for World's Toughest, mm-hmm. I think you also are a league contender. And you can also just be a, a super awesome, cool person. Right. Write in and say, hey, I'm a super awesome, cool person. Let me be an elite contender. And they would do that. <laughs> Let me in. Now, a, a first, I believe, for World's Toughest Mudder is Age Bracket Awards. How cool is that? That's really cool. I'm excited about that. Now, the, the spacing of these age groups are very peculiar, but, <laughs> but still really cool that they have something. Now, it's only the first place in each age group, but still that's better than nothing. So really awesome that they're doing that. Yeah, because I feel like they're the only series that kind of hasn't brought in the age group awards or you know age group recognition anything so the age groups are 
the the ones that you and I fall into is 20 to 39. That's not so, cool. <laughs> that's so good, not cool. <laughs> so a good, that's a pretty big age group. And it's probably it's a huge the biggest age group. one. Yeah. Sign up wise, it's probably the biggest one too. Right. I mean, there's probably, there's probably not going to be as many 20 somethings, but like, I mean, just the 30 to 39 age group is pretty stacked. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't quite get their reasoning. I don't know what it is. I would love to know. Very, very interesting. But the other age groups, you've got 40 to 49, and then you've got 50 plus, and then you've got 16 to 19. <laughs> so so those 16 to 19 year olds out there, they've probably got the best chance to stand <laughs> to best odds. I think it should be at least like 16 to 24 should be an age group. <laughs> Cuz I feel like yeah. those that age demographic is pretty much on the same skill level. <laughs> it is funny, 20 to 39. That's yeah. a big range. It's a huge range. You never see that. <laughs> that's like at least split up into two if not four age groups. Crazy. But those people that do get that get a free entry into World's Toughest 2019. Goals. Pretty awesome. <laughs> they had a list that they put out showing all the contenders and the elite contenders. Yeah. Which you and I were both yeah, on. Yeah, I had to double check cool. it. I just, I was just <laughs> like, I just want to make sure because it would be just my luck that my name isn't on the list and it should be. And then I have to go through like 15 different channels <laughs> just to get my name on the list. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at the... The awards, the mileage awards now, 25 miles gets a patch like uh, this is that's pretty uh, standard. 50 miles, you get a brown bib, 75 miles, you get a silver bib and a free toughest entry for 2019. So that's that's cool. I don't like to think of it as brown. I like to think of it as bronze. <laughs> that is odd. Why not be bronze? Because, I mean, you got silver, silver and gold. Right. right. So I, I'll just keep thinking. Why have they not I'll thought of that? I just keep thinking of it as brown because it's brown. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you, you can't make a a bronze bib. It it has to be brown. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I guess we can call it bronze. Now the race itself is going to be another noon to noon race. You can start your last lap by twelve p.m. on Sunday, but you have to finish that lap for it to count by one yeah. thirty. So that's pretty standard. I believe the last two, maybe three years were, were that same time. To finish as a 24-hour finisher, you have to finish your last lap after 8 a.m. That's interesting just in that you could run a lap that takes you from midnight to 8 a.m., but as long as you stop after 8, then you still get your, your headband. In previous years, I believe last year it was like that too, but in 2016 it was... You had to finish your last lap after 12. So we literally were on the course and waiting, I think kind of near cl the cliff, kind of towards the end. And we were waiting for the timer, you know, waiting for it to get close enough. So I probably finished at like 12.05 or something <laughs> like that. And there was basically a big wave of people that went through about that time, which makes me wonder why, why eight? It just seems so early. Like you're not really a 24 hour finisher. For 8 a.m., like for the elite contenders, that leaves enough time for at least two more laps. One thing I think uh, uh, people want to make sure of is you've got a pit crew out there. Yes, within the pit, your pit crew can help you do pretty much anything. But once you get on the course, your pit crew, while they can go out on the course and see you and talk to you, 
They can't hand you anything. They can't give you anything, and they can't pace you. So they can't be running alongside you, even off the course. Uh, that's a no-no. So be careful of that. If you find yourself running and your pit crew is running by, getting info from you, what do you want to eat? Uh, make sure they don't stay with you for too long. Motivational support only. Info gathering and cheers. Cheerleaders. Okay, anything else about Tough No, Mudder? but it's getting really close and it's getting very real. <laughs> yeah, the the more, like, this video came, or, or this news came out, you know, all the info about the, the brunch and the, the camping and all the other fun activities that are going to happen has, has been coming out. Yeah. And, yeah, it's getting exciting. I'm ready. Yes. Are you ready? No, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking forward to the experience, just because I've never done anything like this before, so it's going to be... Be interesting. You know, I, I've I've been having my issues with like overheating or hydration mm-hmm. or whatever. And at, at some point, even you see some of the elites get to a point where they just bonk or hit a wall or whatever you want to call it. So I, I think the best thing you can do for yourself is don't start out fast thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to ramp up all these miles in the beginning. That way, when I slow down later, I'll have all those miles yeah. in already. no. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. Like, yes, that's kind of true, but you could get to a point where you're going slower than you would have had you started at a slower pace. Yeah, and I can attest to that because playing catch up with my hydration was not fun. (laughs) In my mind, I knew like I could be doing so much more right now, but I can't because I don't want to (laughs) die. You know, like... (laughs) Like I said, I I wasn't dehydrated going into it, but once I started running and once I started going, I felt like, and the, you know, the sun was out the whole time. I felt like I had to play catch up the whole, pretty much the majority of the race. It's not fun and it doesn't feel good. And, (laughs) and you could just feel your performance just lagging. So my plan is to, instead of starting at like a nine minute pace, which would be my normal, you know, kind of longer distance, uh, not longer distance, but like, you know, 10 mile mm-hmm. run. That's probably what I'll start at. But even then, I, I, I'm i going to try and get myself to go even slower than 930, like really slow it down so that I'm, I'm saving myself to to just get that distance in. Uh, I, to to kind of counteract this, hydration issue i i do i don't want to run with a, a pack because i've done that before and it's yeah it's just i, I don't want to do it it's irritating so I, I do think i want to try out the little bottles that you wear on the back of uh-huh. your hips like you got the little belt i've never used that before but it seems like they would be nice and out of the way like i've seen people use those yeah and i i think it would be better than like even the vest that you have you've got them right there on your chest and i think even that would feel like it's in the way when you're crawling. Yeah, and doing even stuff. that's totally cumbersome. The only issue I have with the bottles on the belt, because I've looked into those too, is just like you said, the the rolling and the crawling, and plus you're going to be having to go through water and everything, and those bottles are going to be submerged. That's my only concern. Do they snap in there enough that they would not pop out? In the oh water yeah, for sure. If there's yeah, air in them, for sure. I just wouldn't want to take a chance even getting close to drinking that nasty water. <laughs> <laughs> well they've got lids on right them, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> of course they've got lids on them well, but i mean <laughs> you still have to drink out of them after 
Yeah, but anything you're sure. wearing, even on your on your, if it was on top of your head, is going to go into water <laughs> right. at some point. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I might give that a shot. Yeah, I know. I think I saw was it Ryan Atkins or maybe it was Robert Killian that was running with them one year. I had them on his belt. I think oh, so. Yeah? I don't know. I could be mistaken. Hmm. But yeah, I've seen people wear them. I just I've never I've never tried them out. I know Mark sees them a lot, so I'll ask him to get some tips. Okay, time for Spartan. I feel like we should have a Spartan theme song. Joe DeSena saying, Spartan <laughs> up, or something. <laughs> Je, uh, Joe DeSena. Joe DeSena, his, the Joe DeSena race has <laughs> given us some news. No. Spartan has said that they, you know, they came out earlier this week, or was it last week, and said that they're returning the gladiators and wolves on the course. Now, a lot to break down in that statement. See, the gladiators were before my time, but Daniel's told me about them. I think I did one race that had them, maybe two, but they're unique. I, I, I could live without them. If they'd never brought them back, I wouldn't yeah. care. But, you know, a lot of people are pretty excited about them. But the most important thing I think about this is that they said that they're going to be optional. So basically, you take a different lane at the end there if you want to go through those. Basically, you don't have to do it if you don't want to. It's not like in the old days where everybody had to go through there because I think that was part of the problem is that people were getting smacked <laughs> in the face or in the legs and tripping and stuff like that. So they'll probably go a little easier on you if you don't look like you can yeah. take it. But if you don't want to take it, then you don't have to. <laughs> but what's to stop them from running after you? <laughs> Well, I think that's the point is they'll have a separate <laughs> yeah. space to say, I'm going this way, so don't uh, don't bother. And and that makes sense, especially with it being a competitive race for the elites and the age groups is that at the end of it, you can't make a standardized race with those guys in it. So for the elites, uh, surely they can just pass right on by if they want. The wolves, though. What's the wolf? Live wolves on the course, like running around free in a cage. What? What do you mean? Are they going to have like, are they going to ask Ryan and Lindsay if they can borrow like Sunto or something? (laughs) Have them run around the course? (laughs) No. So from the, the things that I've seen, Spartan has said that it's not actual wolves. They're actually talking about the SGX coaches. Do they normally refer to them as wolves? I've never heard that (laughs) I don't know. I've never heard that before either. That's a first. Sid? We'll have to ask Sid if he he knows anything about being called a wolf. (laughs) That means that they're going to be on the course, like, at obstacles to help you with obstacle technique, I guess. That'd be kind of cool. Like, hey, I see you're doing this. Let's try, you know, maybe try doing it yeah. this way. or So, some encouragement slash obstacle training. That might be kind of cool. Live on the course. I think that was kind of a cheesy, big announcement. We're putting wolves on the course. Oh, it's no, not I'm what you think. just kidding. They're just SGX coaches. <laughs> if they had some wolves chained up and you could pet them and somehow them not bite you, I'd be into that. <laughs> That that would be awesome. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> like I said, just go catch Sunto at one of the races. I've been close enough that I could have petted him. I didn't take the chance. I didn't want to be one of those. I know, you know, plenty of people are forward enough to run up to them and, and say, hey, can I pet the dog? Or, <laughs> But when after you've run, uh, you know, 15 kilometers up and down a mountain and you see Ryan Atkins there and he just did the same and he's just relaxing. <laughs> Outside of a coffee shop, I, I did not want to impose <laughs> on him. So, Ryan, if you ever listen to this, just know that I, I, I do want to meet you, but I also don't want to impose. <laughs> you still pet the dog, though. You don't ever pass up that opportunity. 
All right, next time I see him, I'm going to go up and be like, Anna said that I have to pet the dog, so it's not my fault. He's going to be like, who's Anna? That other lady. That other oh. lady. Oh, okay. I'm going to write that on my bib this year. Yes, please do that. Remember how uh, Ryan put nobody on yeah. his last year? So is he going to put somebody on the back of his bib this year? I think I saw that on one of the comments on his article. Like, last year he was nobody. Yeah. So this year is if he's going to put somebody on the back of his bib. Yeah, and I think they said if uh, when he was nobody, if nobody passed him, does that mean that they won the race? Yeah, I won WTM. <laughs> That's silly. Another good bit of news for people that love volunteering i've never volunteered myself uh as far as signing up i've kind of been pulled into volunteering at conquer the gauntlet one time so i've never actually signed up and like volunteered and gotten a free race or anything like that have you ever done that before with spartan yeah i did it yeah i did it at the Glen rose um in Glen rose last no not last year a couple years back over the years, it seems like the news has always been that the benefits from that have been getting less and less. Whenever I volunteered, I was basically just there to watch the haystacks, <laughs> people going over the haystacks in Glen, uh, for the sprint <laughs> last year or a couple years ago. How long ago. did you do it um, for? It was, it was, I think it was eight hours, it was either seven or eight hours, but I mean, I got a t-shirt, I got a sandwich and crackers out of it <laughs> for lunch but um and i got a free race so like it paid for i used that to register for the alabama race later on that year so yeah this was a couple years back whenever they had the spartan in alabama still in sarah land so you did get a full free race right but i couldn't i couldn't register for like elite or competitive or anything like that but it was it was a free open open registration um, if I wanted to upgrade to competitive or whatever, I just had to pay the, the difference or whatever. Yeah, and I think since then they've changed it to where it was, you could only get afternoon race or it was only half, uh, 50% or 75% or something like that. Like you didn't get full, the full benefits that you used to get like back when you did it. Right. And so that's the thing that they announced is that they've heard how people complained and they've made those changes. So they're going back to... 100% off morning and afternoon open heats and lunches. I wish I had gotten my lunch like whenever it was actually lunchtime, though. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did they get to you? Like at the end, whenever I was checking out because I was done. <laughs> oh, for, for dinner? Yeah. Well, I, I finished in the afternoon because <laughs> I finished or I volunteered in the morning. And so like I was there from before the first the first elite wave took off until like I don't know, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. Was it a full eight hour, like a straight eight hours or did you have a break in there? Not really. I didn't, I don't think I had a break. So just a straight, yeah. a straight through eight hours? Straight through. Straight through, just standing hmm. there watching people go over the haystacks. <laughs> did you bring some lunch with you or anything? To... No, I brought water with me. I brought like a couple of snacks. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, you didn't eat anything for eight <laughs> hours? I think I'd die. Uh, yeah. I had snacks. <laughs> and then the sandwich that we got at the end was like a bologna sandwich and it had mayo on it. And I'm like, I think I'm good with the mayo. <laughs> so I just, you know, mayo in the heat, just I think I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, it it's kind of 
I mean, we're not, you're not in prison. They should <laughs> right, exactly. give you an option. Hey, we've got either bologna and mayo or <laughs> ham and, and mustard or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know. Something. Something. At least two yeah. options. I mean, it wasn't a terrible experience. I just, you know. That's that's coming 2020. Yeah. <laughs> ham sandwiches. <laughs> two options and sandwiches. <laughs> Maybe separate condiments in their own little packages. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, the Spartan World Championships happened in Tahoe again, and sounds like it was a, a really well-run and put-on event. The race itself was really awesome. I mean, Robert Killian being in the lead for the majority of the race, and then obviously having issues at that tire, and then John Albin and Ryan Atkins passing them up. Man, those guys were freaking flying. Yeah, I saw, I saw Ryan... Ryan, at the end of the race, I think I saw a video of him finishing, and he just looked spent. You know, I think John was a little further. I don't know how far back him and Ryan were for the most of the race, but I know Ryan was not in camera shot for a while. Like, he was back in 6th or 7th or something like that, and that's kind of typical for him. But for him to go wherever he was all the way up to 2nd within those last few miles is pretty nuts. That's crazy. Like he was, you know, they they weren't even showing him for a while. And then next thing you know, (laughs) he's literally getting on, was it, he was getting on uh, the rig at the end as John was getting off of it. Like, I mean, that's, that's crazy how much time he made up right there. Yeah. I was listening to, to part of that podcast that Robert did with Hunter and Benny and Robert said that they had to have been dropping like sub four minute miles (laughs) because he was he said he looked down at his watch at one point and he was doing a 430 and like he could not he just could not catch up to them yeah that's freaking insane yeah that's probably why ryan looked as rough as he did at the end but he also saw that john had it and he didn't really have any reason to run over the finish line (laughs) True. And I think just the fact that John was there, he knew he was going to have to push. Like it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be as easy as all the other races were. Yeah. And and interestingly, John Albin, since he finished first at the World Championships, he's got the opportunity to go after the the $1 million prize if he wins the trifecta weekend in Greece. And puts up a hundred miles in Iceland and wins Iceland. But is he is he even doing either one of those? He is. Is he's doing both of them? So he's going after the million. If you get a chance, go look. Uh, Spartan put out a pretty cool video that shows him talking about it, and he he supposedly scrambled to get it a last couple of races in to get his trifecta because you have to have done a trifecta to do the trifecta weekend in Greece. Right, but. For this world championships, technically he didn't do any of the world championship series, but being a past winner, he was kind of grandfathered in. Yeah, he qualified that way, I believe. So he's going to go for it uh, from what he said. So, of course, the trifecta weekend will happen first and Robert Killian will be there. And I know he'll try Mm -hmm. to, you know, he's not going to make it easy on him, I'm sure. (laughs) And so we've got that to see first. You know, if, if he doesn't win that weekend, then then Iceland will be, you know, maybe he won't even do Iceland then. Who knows? But that'll be interesting to see because it's not about winning. You know, you don't have to get first place in all three of those races. It's about your points over the course of that weekend. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. That's going to be fun. Now, the other person that has the ability or that has even the technical qualifications to be able to try to go after 
the million dollars is Lindsay Webster because she was the other True. winner. I don't know if she's going after it. I haven't heard or seen anything saying that she's interested in going <laughs> to Greece to try and take this further. That but. would be kind of cool, but she's also said in the past before, too, that she's not as strong at World's Toughest Mudder just because it's a 24-hour deal. So right. Iceland being 24 hours, like that's just not one of her strong suits. Like eight hours, she could do eight hours all day long, but you know the 24-hour races, she's not as strong at just yet. Yeah, and for no no woman to have done 100 miles at a 24-hour OCR yet is a big factor, too. But I think Ryan Atkins said that he is going to not go—well, shoot. Now that they've put out the bonus prizes for World's Toughest Mudder, he might run individual because I think he was they were thinking about running as a team, as a two-man team, him and Lindsay, Mm -hmm. which would save him— let him rest up for Iceland. So now that he's not going after the million for Spartan, but he could still go to Iceland to try to do a hundred miles there for whatever, you know, just for fun. Uh, (laughs) I guess it's yet to be seen. I I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to do individual for world's toughest, which will put Robert in a funny spot because I think he was really getting really excited to do World's Toughest and try to get 100 or try to win himself because the only person he's lost to is is uh, Ryan. Yeah. He's also got a lot of stuff on his way. He like he he even said on that podcast like he races more than probably any other racer out there. Yeah. Right now. So he's he's got a lot of stuff on his plate to consider. Even Yeah, going to but he toughest. still does it. I mean, he did 105 miles last year. Like it's just right. cool like what does that mean if he if he actually focused on one race a year that he would do a, a 200 miles you know like <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it works like that but you know it is kind of no. funny like he does put in as much time as he does and he still performs at the level he does it's pretty pretty crazy right exactly the other interesting thing that came out of the world championships i think was rebecca hayman coming in second this oh, girl yeah. coming out of nowhere, only having Total do, done dark horse. <laughs> yeah, only having done a few Spartan races this year. Yeah, like she wasn't on anybody's radar to win to you know po- place as high as she did. I don't think she was on anybody's radar to place top three. And watching the race, it was really neat to see like Lindsay got through the spear, Susanna come through and missed it, Faye come through and miss it, Rebecca Hammond got it. I think I forget where Rhea Cobo was. She may have missed it too. But then I think she failed Twister right after, maybe. I forget mm-hmm. which obstacle it was. But but still, even with that, she still made it through and yeah. and, uh, and took second. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. And she's a med student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has said uh, on different podcasts that if she does focus on racing this next year, she won't do a res- residency yet. She'll wait and do that because yeah. once she does yeah, residency, I think she's doing her er residency right now or something like that whenever they had interviewed her on lincoln Durant. but once she gets into that then yeah it's gonna be basically no racing for a year <laughs> yeah now the other spartan news that just came out this week is that they are splitting their age groups down this past yes, this year finally <laughs> <laughs> this year was 20 to 29 30 to 39 40 to 49 so you got these big groups 
actually, I forget if it was broken down differently than that. But I know for us, you know, it was a, mm-hmm. a large group, which is interesting because this year, whereas in the past years, I was within top 20 in my age group. But then this year, I felt like I ran one of my best races ever in Austin and still was like, yeah, was still like 24th or so. Yeah, the the stadium race, like for me and my age group, I had never really placed out of the top 10 (laughs) before this year (laughs) in my age group. And whenever we went to Dallas Stadium and I saw like my age group, I think I placed like 14th or something like that i was like what (laughs) i've never placed out of the top 10 like that was just such a humbling experience but at the same time i knew like okay there's probably like a lot of people who have been running elite that place you know pretty low in the elite but they know they can come down to the age group and race age group and totally dominate age group Right. But at the same time, I think that they, they've Spartan has seen that they did get the interest that they were hoping for. They didn't know yes. for sure if they were going to get, you know, as many registrations, I think. So this yeah. next year, they're going to have prob- possibly even more people coming in the age group, but you've got the smaller age group. So that is that is definitely good for people like us who uh, want to stand a chance of ever podium <laughs> at a at a Spartan race because <laughs> there's just so many people. But right. on but on top of that, the I think the more achievable thing is qualifying for either OCR World Championships, NORAM, or the Spartan yeah. North American Championships. Yeah, and this will be the my last year in this age group, but <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> so we'll see what the qualifications are for those races, you know, coming here soon within the next month or two. But uh, as of right now, it, it looks like they'll be more achievable. Hopefully. You saying this is your last year in that age group. Did you catch that? Because I'll be 34 next month. <laughs> okay. So by December, so. which is the, the cutoff. So instead of your age on race day for Spartan, it's going to be your age starting January, you know, the end of December through the entire year, whatever your age is the previous year, basically. Which I, I, that's cool. That's cool that you're going to be racing the same people all year instead of it changing in and out as people change age. Right. I think that was a smart move. They've also announced six new obstacles. That, I think, probably blew my mind the most out of all the news that have come over the past month. <laughs> that Spartan? Six new obstacles? Really? Like, that's... What? That's a lot for Spartan. <laughs> That's crazy. Like in the past years, they've had uh, this last year. I don't think they had any in the no. year before. Maybe two, maybe three, but six. Yeah. That's nuts. Because, I mean, they did the whole thing where they would change up their rig to match whatever race the people were doing. And then they had Olympus and Twister. And then sometimes they would mash Twister and the monkey bars together. Yeah. But and Bender. <laughs> and Bender. Right. So they're, they're, you know, we've, I think ourselves as well as plenty of other people have been talking crap about Spartan this entire time. Oh, they're looking to standardize. They're never going to innovate ever again, but they're <laughs> proving us all wrong and, and doing six new, six new obstacles as well as different configurations throughout the year. It is cool. Cause I, I actually like the twister monkey bar combination. I like it. Whenever I first tried it at a, in Tahoe. Now, Tahoe, not this year, but last year, it was a lot longer. <laughs> it was a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, like 17 miles. It's r- ridiculous. 
Yeah. But. Well, no, just the just that rig, just the twister monkey bar twister. Oh, okay. Uh, configuration. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot longer than what I saw this year because it looked like maybe there was like only what five or six monkey bars, and then you transitioned to twister, and then like maybe another five or six monkey bars. But no, it was a lot. It was a lot longer. I, th- I think the harder obstacles, particularly for the the championship races, are cool, but I don't think they. I don't think they are conducive to a better race. Right. I don't think so either. I think they're fun to have at a world championship race because the people that aren't necessarily competing for elite or anything, they get to experience those new obstacles that people haven't gotten to get on anywhere else. But when the top three ladies fail the last rig, it just seems silly. That's a rough one to have at the end. Well, especially when it's three sections long. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a good move to make the race a, a more of a race as instead of the biggest challenge that you can put these elites through. Yeah. Lastly, our last bit of news is Spartan taking away parking fees and bag check fees. Yeah. And was there something else too, or is it just those two things? I think, I think it's just those, those two. Parking fees and bag check fees, and rolling those into the the fees for the race registration itself. So instead of having to bring cash and paying for parking and paying for your bag check, it's going to be a simple three or six dollars, depending on if the venue charges for parking, then you will only have to pay the three dollar fee. If the venue doesn't charge for parking themselves, then it'll be the six dollar fee, which covers both your parking and the bag check. So both of those processes are going to be smoother and quicker and hopefully better for everybody so while yeah i you know some people are going to be like well i don't use back check and i carpool so that sucks but (laughs) overall it's still going to help provide a better experience for you so hopefully people will see that benefit and it'll go over well god how much money do you think they've made (laughs) after all these years just from bag checks and parking fees yeah a million dollars that's what they're going to pay John with. Like an insane they're pay John with back check and parking fee money. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think, I think more races should do that. Like having yeah. to stop and, and hand somebody 10, 20 bucks and them give you the, your change back or whatever it is. I, I think it's silly. Yeah. Just go in, park, check your bag. You know, it just makes for a smoother process. And I know, Whenever I had the trifecta pass, or not trifecta pass, but the season pass um, one year, it made it a lot, it did make it a lot quicker and easier because, you know, that was one of the things that was included was a bag check in the season passes. So that was kind of nice to have. But didn't you have to, like they had your name on a list and they had to look it up and and confirm it. So even that still (laughs) took more time. So this will just be like, oh, you want bag check? Here, go drop it off or what, you know, we'll we'll take it or whatever. It's all good. there's, There's no question. Yeah. Exactly. Are you doing any more Spartans next year? Yeah, I'm going to do Austin. You're going to do Austin? I just feel like I'm going to be scaling back a little yeah, on Spartans. Yeah, I, I am as well, but Austin, Austin's always been, like, going down and yeah. camping has been the, the fun part of it. Go run two days, camp out, uh, just, yeah, have a good time that way. I, I've enjoyed it every time. Yeah, that's always been a fun, fun venue, too. The... Ultra in 2019 will be, that's still up in the air for me, for Dallas. Oh, for Dallas, Ultra Beast. But with all these talks and changes in age group, 
if I run Austin and I qualify for the North American Championships, then Mike maybe want to do that. There you go. <laughs> so we'll see. So that's that's the end of our news. Quite a quite a lot of things that have come yeah. about. It's a lot. Yeah, it's been a fun week. <laughs> I mean, we just recorded like what a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. I I probably released ago. it a week ago. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so it, you know, if, if that's all you care about is hearing the news, feel free to go ahead and hop off and not hang up because you're not on the phone with us. But you know, <laughs> stop stop listening from here on. But the, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about before we go, and I, this. This is very interesting. It's kind of something I've been wanting to talk about for a while, but you know, I, I don't want to be rude or ugly when it's not warranted. <laughs> but something interesting has come up that I that I think kind of is in the same boat. So I, I do want to talk about it. Do you? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So obstacle obstacle course racing media OCRM is the media network, as they so put it, of obstacle racing. They've been doing live streams from different races, typically smaller races like City Course Challenge and maybe a Bone Frog here or there or something like that. But they have a booth and they have Laura Mesner doing updates weekly. They've got Benny Gifford doing his Benny Breakdown videos, which some people would say that the Benny's Breakdown is the best thing that they've got as far as all of their content. Yeah. They've got a podcast. They've got... The Metals and Chill show with the Metal Addict. So they've got quite a bit of content coming out, and they're pretty good about having emails come out when there's big news. But some people would say, and some people have said, that OCRM is like the Kmart of <laughs> obstacle media. <laughs> I believe those words came out of Matt B. Davis's mouth, which he wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he wouldn't deny. So before we we talk about the the thing that brought this about, I I think I just I'm just gonna go ahead and say all this. <laughs> just get it all out there. Just put it all out there. When we first started was when they were first starting up, and it was yeah really funny timing because as I started thinking about how I wanted to do OCR talk and it be no interviews and a talk show, and that's when I think Benny's breakdown started coming out and mm -hmm. so it's it's almost like they got the jump on me when <laughs> i had these ideas but it's not like they knew about my ideas right and at the same time obstacle racing media started doing roundtables with other obstacle yeah. racing podcast people so it was really at a funny time that all this other stuff was happening and i was like crap come on i gotta get this out because <laughs> everybody else is beating me to the punch yeah. And I, I'm glad I went with it. And, and I still see like they definitely don't do that stuff all the time. And so I, I really do think that we have a, a place and mm -hmm. I've enjoyed it. And I think we've gotten a good response from what we do. Yeah. So I, I'm glad we're here. And I'm glad we're in this space. But when we first started, I reached out to Daniel, the owner of Obstacle Race and Media, Obstacle, the owner of Obstacle Course Race and Media. And <laughs> Asked to see what, you know, were they interested in doing a partnership? What was their, what did they even think about that kind of stuff? And they came back and said that, yeah, they are. And told us like, you know, what we would get out of it and stuff like that. And so I talked to them and then decided not to go with it. Just 
I would just say that I, I don't know. I didn't have a feeling that made me say, yes, I, this is something I should definitely do. I never yeah. got that feeling. I didn't, that I didn't feel feeling. like, yeah, I didn't feel like Daniel was a bad guy. I didn't feel like it was going to be a bad setup. I just didn't have the warm and fuzzies about it. So we did. Yeah. Now, maybe if we had done it, we would be getting a bunch of ad revenue money. And right now we're getting zero money. So <laughs> maybe it would have been a good thing, but well, I don't know. But I'm still, like I said, I'm glad that we didn't. Just because I do like the biggest reason, honestly, is because we can't keep a schedule. There's no way. Right. With, our, with our schedules, we cannot put a podcast out once a week. It, it would be impossible or my wife would leave me <laughs> and i would probably tell her to go ahead and go because all <laughs> i've got time to do is this dumb podcast so yeah <laughs> yeah speaking of which where's where will where's will hicks come on will put, <laughs> put another episode out <laughs> <laughs> where are you at with that being said o- ocrm has since gone on to provide this content they were building this world of content and now they've put all of this content behind a subscription wall 3.99 per month three bucks is not a lot of money i mean people go spend 10 bucks on freaking coffee every morning so in 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 the grand scheme of things it's nothing but something about hey pay for this we were (laughs) providing it for free but now we want you to pay for it it gives a funny feeling, like the same way that even yeah. Conquer the Gauntlet, a company I trust, says, hey, you used to be able to run multiple laps for free, but now you got to pay for it. It yeah. still feels a little funny. I trust them, and that's why I give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's a business move, but it still feels funny. That's completely understandable, because you never know what business motivations are behind any any kind of decision like that, other than they just need to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the the fee is to help them continue to grow and and make a this big network that they, they want to make, and maybe they need that revenue to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's almost like paying for early access; like it's not <laughs> fully developed yet, and I think that's right. where it feels odd. Had it been better developed, and had it been had there been some. I guess quality to the content being offered behind the subscription wall. Some of the call the content is cool. Like Benny does a great job, and he's he's on a, in front of a green screen, and it looks good. That that's cool. But then they'll be at the races, and they'll be right by a speaker that's playing loud music next to him. Right. And so yeah. it's, I mean, everybody. Shoot, Matt B. Davis is terrible with his quality, but we're sitting here. <laughs> nitpicking over them so that's not the i don't know that's that's not the thing i really want to point out about it i think i'll i'll leave that point there just to (laughs) say that it there's something about it that feels odd that's all i'll say to to finish that (laughs) thought out but the whole reason this came up is because (laughs) this is where it gets funny to be honest daniel if you're still with us (laughs) this is the good (laughs) stuff daniel posted in the world's toughest mutter community to advertise, basically, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we're obstacle racing, obstacle course racing media. We've got all this content. Come check us out. Whatever. Typical. What you're going to hear from somebody that's starting up a new thing. Yeah. But he did it in the world's toughest mutter community, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess nobody had warned him that 
the WTM community has some of doesn't necessarily have some of the nicest people in it. Like not that the <laughs> not that these people are pretty okay. hardcore. No, they're just really hardcore and very passionate about their group. Yeah, they're very straightforward, and some of those people are not gonna give you niceties whenever they don't see. <laughs> some pe- some of those people, probably Keith Allen being the main one because he's the one who <laughs> who probably had the most to say back to Daniel, will be right down crappy to people that he does like, and you know give yeah. them give them crap about stuff too. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was kind of to be expected, and that's what I'm saying is like. I wonder if Daniel realized who he was presenting this to, because the response he got back was uh, the, the, the post. Well, the post that he said was, we're the first obstacle course racing media network. <laughs> and everybody took that statement and said, how dare you say you're the first? What about all these <laughs> other ones? Like, there's so many other ones that came before you. Yeah. What is wrong with you even putting that word in your mouth? And from there, of course, Daniel tried to defend himself. I'm saying we're this, not what you think I said. And then Laura Mesner got on there and said, some, you know, basically Jeez. backed him up. And yeah, it it was a pretty long, fairly heated post on Facebook. And shortly thereafter, it got taken down. <laughs> so I, I, as I was reading this stuff, I was like, man, just eating it up. It's like, oh, it was, it was just comical all around. <laughs> But the funniest part was it was maybe five minutes after Laura posted. And the the thing that was like she she basically reiterated everything Daniel said, backed him up, like had all these, you know, statements and facts. And and it was like, oh, come on, Laura, that's not necessary. You're you're talking to Keith Allen. He's not like he he knows what you're saying. He's not a stupid person. He he gets what he gets the original statement. He's just being being himself and, and, and giving you crap. So just throwing gas on the stop. fire. Just don't even try anymore. Cause it's, it's not like, like if anything, he's probably trolling you just cause he's in his chair laughing somewhere. <laughs> but so it, five minutes after that, I, I went to go. Uh, I actually, I actually was trying, I was in the process of leaving a comment to Laura to say, stop. He knows what you're saying. He's yeah. just being a troll. And as I went to go hit uh send, it, it said that, that the, comment had gotten deleted and the whole post was gone. <laughs> so I, I take it shortly, like halfway through all these posts, you didn't see anything from Daniel anymore. So I'm sure at some yeah. point he was like, ah, oh, God, I made a mistake. And, and he took it down. Got the hint. So yeah, that, that's, that's what came in, came from that. And it was comical. And I, I, it just seemed to fit. And that's why I wanted to point out <laughs> the, the rest of my thoughts on OCRM at the moment. It, it, Kind of just fit with the way things have been going so far, I guess. Hmm. It's so funny because I know this this episode's going long, but I just <laughs> the obstacle racing community has has is so well known for being so welcoming, but yeah. then you've got stuff like this happen, and you've got the bickering between Spartan people and Tough Mudder people, and I guess that in some parts of life you just you you get enough people together. And it's never going to be. Yeah, there's that side to every group. It's not going to yeah. be all sunshine and rainbows all the time whenever you get big groups of people together. So, I mean, <laughs> there's going to be some of that in every group. So so that's that. <laughs> so if you if you listened, I hope you enjoyed my, my ranting and, and story there. <laughs> rant over. The rant is over. <laughs> that's all I got. I uh, just 
poured my heart out there. <laughs> Just left it all out there. You feel better left it all, now? I left it all out on the course. <laughs> did, did my wheels come off? <laughs> you feel better now? As much as, <laughs> as, much as I've heard uh, elites that I look up to say terms like that, I, yeah. they always bug me. I'm not one for, <laughs> for cliches. cliches. I can't, like, like how many people that are, you know, I'm going to go rant some more. How many people <laughs> are in the Spartan uh, announcement booth on live streams? How many times, I would love to count up how many times they've said uh, the wheels came off or <laughs> they left it out all out there on the course. <laughs> that could be a new Spartan drinking game. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably, probably a good, you know, w- over the course of all the live streams they've done, probably a good right. 30, 40 times, if not more. Yeah, at least. All right. So I've ranted. So feel free to, uh, if you got some criticism for us, rant back. I'll be happy to hear it. Careful what you wish for. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's okay. I don't mind. It's all right. We haven't gotten any hate mail like uh, like Mike and Caitlin, so maybe it's time for some. <laughs> is that why you're trying to? Is that why you're trying to poke the bear? <laughs> is that <laughs> what trying you're to trying to go after those that's what, that's what you're really trying to do, right? <laughs> it's all. It's not about. It's not about how, how if people like you or not. It's about. It's about the clicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the clicks and the downloads. How we ever going to get to a hundred thousand downloads like off the Dominator? <laughs> there you go. If we don't talk crap. If we don't talk trash <laughs> about people, right? <laughs> Got to step up our trash talk game. <laughs> oh, how long has this been? Like now we're forty eight. Come on. All right. So obviously the episode will be shorter than that because of the cut time. But yeah, uh, whew, this might be the longest one yet, possibly. Yep. Okay. Well, that's it then. You got anything else? Right. Nope. All right. You sure you don't have anything left in the tank? <laughs> Nothing left in the tank. <laughs> I had to throw one more in there. I appreciate that. That was good. So those of you that are still listening, keep your training up. We're almost there, almost to the end of the season. Got what? Two, three weeks before the uh, Dallas Ultra Beast, and two, two more weeks after that for World's Toughest Motor. So one Yay. month to go for World's Toughest. We're almost there. <laughs> almost there. All right. So keep that training. Get that training in. Follow, listen, and talk. Send us some trash talk, hate mail, <laughs> and leave it all out there on the course. Don't let the wheels fall off.
Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.